0: Welcome to the Wesley Word. Um, Welcome back to Wesley Worship. It's good to see you all. If you didn't make it uh, for the first time last week, Um, we're going to get started. Obviously, see our our, um, new series next two weeks, Risky Investments, um, talking about human relationships. Um, And so, we're not necessarily talking about dating. We're kind of talking about dating, friendships, just like relationships in general. So there's some key principles that I want to sort of talk about. And I want to begin to ask this question. Um, has there ever been a piece of advice that you wish that you had taken, that someone told you that you wish that you had taken, right? Maybe it was, you know, you wanted to, I don't know, you should go somewhere that you were like, ah, no, time for that, I should have gone, right? Or maybe you wish you'd listen to like your grandma, right, when they met your boyfriend or girlfriend and they were like, dude, that person has trouble, stay away, right? And it might have saved you like two years of anguish, right? Um, not calling anybody out. It might have been a true story. I don't know. Or maybe your friends have, have said, you know, hey, you know, you should watch out there. Um, one thing that I was taught way back in high school um, was about investing, right? And if you know much, I'm a math person. I like, I like the numbers and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, the, the power, the magic of compound interest, right? Where if you, don't, you just started out right after you finished uh, college, right? You could put a few hundred dollars away each month. That stuff's gonna grow, gonna grow, gonna grow. Um, you know, I wish I had listened to that fully, right? I did some math from the time I graduated. You put that first chart up here, Christopher. If I had like maxed out my uh, Roth IRA, which is a good thing to do, with you know, the, I think it's like four fifty a month I could do at the time. Do that over just to where I am now, about twenty years out of school. That sounds crazy to think about. I have like almost three hundred thousand dollars in the bank, right? If I'd listened to that, right? Um, if I would continue to do that from the time I finished school around 2021, 20, by the time I was 61, in 40 years, I'd have $1.7 million, right? Um, and that's with only putting in $240,000 total. All the green stuff is all the, the um, compounded interest that you would earn um, as, you, as you watch your stuff grow, right? Now, I didn't do all this. We had a lunch conversation today at Fiesta. I talked about how Julie and I did do, um, it's not about us, but right after school, we did do a good job the first four years out of putting that money in, and so we've gotten some growth, but it doesn't look like what it could have done if we'd actually done that and continued on. Uh, I was a poor grad student, right, I couldn't do that. Um, but this is something I wish I had done and continued to do on that, right, is invest in these uh, returns. But we're talking about relationships tonight, right, so we can take the graph off. We're talking about relationships, and I would argue that you, know, you get a big investment as you put in money into the stock market as it grows over time, but you get an even bigger reward when you invest in relationships. The same compounding thing takes over when you spend the time, you put the effort in to have it grow. There was a study that was done, it started in 1938, it was I think the largest or longest um, study of, of humans um, ever, it started in 1938 in Harvard, and they took, I believe it was sophomores at the time, and they followed them throughout their life, and they wanted to figure out you know, what made them healthy, what made them great, and they figured out, these researchers from Harvard, so I think they're pretty smart, they're not quite Clemson people, but you know, whatever, they're Harvard people, and they figured out that the number one factor or one of the biggest factors in health by the time this crew got to be 80 was their satisfaction in relationships, right? Not like their level of joy, but they were able to link their physical health, their physical emotional health to their, however they were at 50 with their relationships, right? Projected big time on how their physical health would be at the time they were 80, those that were most dissatisfied at 50 in their relationships had more health problems by the time they were 80 than those who had fulfilling relationships at 50 were much more healthy at 80, right? That's Harvard. That's something we'll kind of pay attention to there a little bit, right? That's kind of, that's kind of interesting as we think about that. Um, and so the goal for this tonight is like relationships are important, right? Something we want to invest in. And then we also see a parable that we did last semester. I never really looked at it this way, but I was listening to someone... Um, preach on it. I was like, man, it kind of makes a whole lot of sense. And they were talking about um, the parable of the sower. Maybe you remember it. I'm not going to read it for you because I I feel like after you read three verses from up here, everybody starts tuning me out, right? There's a parable of the sower where the sower comes and starts scattering seeds into uh, the, the, everywhere, right? And some seeds fall in the path, right? And the birds come, and they, they swoop up the seeds, and nothing comes and grows, right? And then the they sower continues to sow some seeds, and, and they throw some seeds out, and it's like sort of a rocky soil, and they, they spring up a little bit, but then the sun comes out and dries them up, and, you know, it doesn't work. And they continue to sow some seeds, and then the seeds fall amongst some thorns, and they sort of start to grow out, but then You know, the thorns sort of choke them out, and that doesn't work either. And then, of course, there's some good soil that the sower hits, and everything's perfect, and everything grows, and there's a return that happens um, tenfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, some a hundredfold here in those things. And we read that, and we know that one of the levels of that parable is talking about how people receive the Word of God, how they receive the good news, right? Sometimes people reject it, and they don't have time for it. Sometimes the environment that they're in just doesn't allow them, that thorn doesn't allow them to find a way to, to say yes and to do the things that they want or maybe desire to do, right? And maybe their, their faith is shallow, and so when hard times come, you know, it, it sort of withers up. We've, we talked about this over and over again. But this one pastor made a great observation, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm borrowing it, I'm not taking claim for it, but I think it's incredible. He said that one way we could also look at these parables, because parables are multi-level, and you can learn a lot of things from parables. He said, you think about relationships, right? Now I'll admit, relationships are hard, right? If you've ever been in one, whether it be a friendship, family, romantic, right? They're hard. They are filled with ups and downs, right? Just like the stock market there, some big time crashes, and sometimes they'll never come back up again, right? But they are filled with ups and downs. But it says, you know, God knows this as well, right? If you think about this parable of sower, we believe that God is the sower. It's one way to definitely see that in that parable, that God is the sower casting out God's seed, right? And to think about how often God is rejected in relationships, Often we've rejected God in certain ways or certain things where God is trying to call us or shape us and mold us in different ways. And we say, eh, no thanks, I'm good, right? The God of the universe is rejected time and time again by people, but you know what God continues to do? He continues to pour in. He continues to sow seed in the thorny soil, continues to sow seed on the, the path, continues to sow seed in the rocky places, continues to sow seed in the good fertile soil, continues to sow, continues to sow, right? Now, a quick timeout. Next week, we're going to talk about how to cut your losses when investing, right? We are going to talk about that and how to end well. I'm excited about that. Uh, sounds wrong, weird, but yes, I am excited about it. Um, so we're going to talk about that. So not, I'm not, you're sitting here like, I've been digging and planting seeds in this rocky soil. It'll have one more thorn come bite me. I'm going to lose my mind. We'll talk about that next week, right? But the point is that, that relationships are hard, but they're worthy. They're worthy of our time. They're worthy of our investment. And when we see the return on that, it's a big thing, right? I talked about the investment numbers, and Chris we can put it up here. The first one, right, um, if we would invest that money once a month, it was like $450 a month, throughout those 40 years, we would see a seven-fold return. And that was that number that we got, $1.7 million, right? The Scripture says if you continue to plant seeds and you find some good soil, right, that you will go, give us our next number there, Christopher, keep going, 30 times, right? You end up with 7.2 million from that 240,000 that you invested in there. And then you go 60-fold, and you end up with 14.4 million. And in and, and the parable, of Jesus says, and some even had 100-fold, 24 million. Now, we're, not, we're talking about people. We're not talking about money here. But by putting in just a little bit and continuing to put in a little bit, month after month in that relationship, month after month, you will see a 100-fold return, Jesus says, in those healthy relationships and so I know we're not going to get the money, but you get the point, right? It's a big, big deal as we put stuff in there. All right, thanks, thanks Christopher. But here's the thing I've learned about investing, and I've heard other people say this as well, and and I'm using this metaphor for relationships. The number one determining factor for how your investments grow, the number one determining factor is you actually have to invest. You can't sit there and say, I'm going to be a millionaire. The year goes by, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? And you have put zero into the account, right? It's got to have something to go. I remember from math classes, right? Zero times anything is still going to end up being zero, right? And so as you think about investing in relationships in the same way, you can't expect to have healthy friendships without being willing to invest yourself. You can't be willing to have healthy romantic relationships if you're not willing to invest yourselves. You're not going to be able to have healthy familial relationships if you aren't willing to invest yourself. Before you can even think about getting a return on your investment, you have to actually be willing to invest and to put yourself out there and to do the work that is there. The truth is, as people, as humans, and it's a little different spin, and, and I'm going to do some Q&A through the hangs this week, and so if you've got some questions, we can talk about a little more in the, in the coming weeks. Um, but tonight, sort of a broad thing on this, this investing in relationships. But one of the biggest needs that we as human beings have that go across it, right, is we have a need to be loved, and we have a need to belong, We've talked about that in here before, a need to love and a need to belong. And Brene Brown talks a lot about this, and she's one of my top five like, heroes right now. Um, she, Barbara Brown Taylor, Rachel Held Evans, um, Adam Hamilton, and one other dude I totally forgot. Sorry about that. Um, but those are like my five. Like, got to figure those out. You read those, you're going to be inspired, right? But Brene Brown talks a lot about belonging and loving, and she asked middle schoolers the difference between belonging and fitting in, right? And they nailed it, right? Here are three of the answers that middle schools talked about between belonging and fitting in. One of them says, belonging is being somewhere you want to be, and they want you, right? Whereas fitting in is being somewhere you want to be, and they could care less or couldn't care less if you were there or not, right? You ever felt that before? Belonging, people want you there, right? Other middle schoolers said, being, being, belonging is being accepted for you, and fitting in is being accepted for being like everyone else. We talk about that a lot on the first weekend that we're here at school, how we want you to be able to be you you come here to belong. And lastly, the third thing says, um, if I get to be me, I belong. But if I have to be like you, that's when I feel like I have to fit in, right? The goal is to find a sense of belonging, not to have to fit in, to be a place where you can be you and you don't have to figure out like someone else, right? But there's one thing that stands in our our way, right? There's one thing that stands in our way, and this is what I want to sort of talk about tonight. Sort of the main thrust with any relationship, right? Um, whether it be romantic, whether it be friendship, whether it be family, any other relationships, I cover all of them, right? And any other relationship you want to be a part of, right? There's one major indicator that that shows how well you will find love and belonging in those situations, right? Am I take a guess at what it is? Wonderful. It's worthiness. Worthiness is the number one indicator as to whether or not you will find love and belonging in your relationships, is your sense of worthiness, right? And and when we lose that, is when we find ourselves in in tough relationships, right? And again, I'm seeing a lot of this from Brene Brown. Um, I don't know if I have this up there on the quote, but she says When we spend a lifetime trying to distance ourselves from the parts of our lives that don't fit with who we think we're supposed to be, We stand outside of our story and hustle for our worthiness by constantly performing, perfecting, pleasing, and proving, right? Maybe you felt this in a relationship that you've been a part of before, right? Healthy relationships, you were able to just be you. But when you're in a relationship that you don't feel worthy enough to be in, whether it be a group of friends, whether it be someone you're dating, or maybe you're stuck with some, you know, family that are messed up. I got some that are just like that, right? And you don't feel like you're worthy in that you find yourself constantly having to prove yourself to them or prove yourself to yourself. You find yourself always trying to be a people pleaser so that you can fit in rather than belonging. But the deal with worthiness, right, is that it's, it's required. It is a baseline. It is a foundational block as you seek to be in a loving relationship of any sort in any type of way, right? But here's the thing about worthiness. It doesn't have any prerequisites, right? No prereqs for being worthy, You don't have to wait and say, you know, if only I'm a senior, then I'll be ready, and I'll be worthy to be in a relationship that's meaningful. If only I, you know, get back in better shape, I'll be worthy, and I'll be ready. If only I was a little bit smarter, then I'll be worthy and ready for a relationship. If only I was whatever, whatever you have, if only, in your brain, you can turn off. Because worthiness starts now. Worthiness starts and begins by inner being, knowing who you are, knowing who you were created to be and who you were created by. And knowing that you are created in God's image, and that and that alone makes you worthy to be loved, makes you worthy to belong, because that is who you are, and that is who you were created to be. Right? But we practice this, right? We practice this, and the challenge is to get ourselves to that point where we feel like we are worthy now, and that's where I hope that each of you will find a place and, and be, but it requires some work. And if we want to end up in a loving relationship where we belong and we feel whole, it requires us to put in the, the work and to get into those areas where we realize we don't feel worthy, right? So you're kind of swarming your seats already. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, but it's worth it, right? In the long run, to dig in and feel, why, why these, where is this unworthiness coming from and how can I work on that? Because let me tell you, every single person in this room is worthy of being loved and worthy of, being, of belonging. There's no doubt in my mind that is who you are and who you have a right to be, right? But here's the deal when we try to do this, right? Um, and we see this in our relationships, right? Um, this one thing about professing love and practicing love, right? You ever been in a relationship where someone tells you they love you all the time and they're just a bum, right? It's my romantic relationships. They're like, oh, I love you, you're awesome. And you're like, well, you don't respect me. You don't treat me well, you know, da, 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 right? That's called a professing love. The difference is that we're searching for is a practicing love where... Love is not a word, not a feeling, but it's it's an action towards you and you and the other person, whether it be friendships or not, where the way in which you act, the way in which you are treated, the way in which you treat the other person comes out as a sense of love, and that is the type of healthy relationship that we're shooting for. That's the type of worthiness that we want to find ourselves, because the issue, right, if you don't feel worthy, right, in your romantic relationships and your partner's treating you like dirt, right, unless you feel worthy of respect, you're going to have a hard time demanding that respect, right? Unless you feel worthy of being loved when you're mistreated and, and feeling and just being messed around with, you're not going to feel worthy of to stand up for yourself and say, No, look, I deserve better because I do. And so, again, it comes to back to that, that baseline that is there. And it comes down, and, and this, uh, I won't try to get as heavy as we're getting tonight, but I think it's important that we spend some time working on this. The biggest thing that gets in our way of feeling worthy, right? And Brene Brown talks about this as well. The biggest thing that gets in our way of our own worthiness. Is a word that all of us struggle with, but none of us want to talk about, right? And that's shame. Oftentimes, shame is what gets us in the way of us feeling worried, right? And this is her definition of shame. It's the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing, right? Not what you are, but believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging, right? It stands in the way of our worthiness when we feel this. When we believe, not that what we are, but that we believe that we are unworthy of love and belonging, right? And we all, if we're honest about I'm not going to raise your hand, but if you're honest with it, all of us have experienced this at some point in time, right? And you know the difference of shame and guilt, right? Guilt is like, I did something bad. Oh, no, but shame is to say, oh, I am bad inside, Right? And we, we wrestle with that and letting go of this. And because we feel bad, we're not able to feel worthy and we're not able to demand and command the respect and the health and, these, and trust and all the different things and relationships that we are called to be in, right? But we all have it. It's universal. We're all afraid to talk about it, right? And the less we talk about the shame in our lives, the more control it seems to have over us time and time again, right? And so my... my push for you, my, my urge for you as we talk, begin talking about relationships over these next couple of weeks, I want each and every person here to experience healthy and loving relationships in all the different forms that you have it, right? I want you to find a sense of true love and true belonging because you were created to be and to belong in a community, right? That's how we were created to be. But before we can do that, we have to wrestle with our shame. We have to wrestle with our worthiness and get to a place where we can say, I am worthy of being loved, I am worried of belonging. And this whole shame thing, I got to kick that in the butt, right? And one of the ways that we can look at wrestling with um, shame, right, and this sort of uh, shame resilience, and again, I, I love Brene. I talked a lot about it from our stuff. Go ahead and put that up there, Chris, for the first, first one. Um, is you got to be willing to name it, Right? We talked about different things in the past here and I'm about you gotta bring it out of the darkness and you gotta put it out there, right? You gotta name the, the shame that's going on and not just like your own shame and what's happening, but being able to recognize when like the messages and the expectations might be, put, be putting on you that are making you feel shameful when you shouldn't feel ashamed, right? And I know for the ladies in the room, we do a lot of this stuff to y'all that is not right, right? Where you feel this, this shame, these expectations that are put on you that should not be there. And I hope that we can find ways to help liberate. But find the things that trigger those shames for you that you can sort of work with and to deal with it and name it and claim it, right? And the second thing we're going to do, put up there, because Christopher, keep rolling with me, is I want you to talk about it, right? And not like out in the open, we're not going to like raise our hands here in the circle and talk about it, but find people that you trust. Find people that you know that you can share and talk about your story. Hey, this is where I'm feeling shame. Am I crazy? What's going on here? And talk about it. Begin to wrestle and work through it. It was number three, top. right? And to own your story, right? A big part of our shame walk is that we believe that, like, our story isn't worthy, right? And that it's not worthy of being shared, that who I am is not worthy of being out there. But also your story and how maybe you've been shamed in the past, how you're wrestling with it, how um, others are putting it on you, but being willing to own and talk about your own story and your own experiences, right? And then give me number four. And then to be able to tell that story, right? And not to everyone, because not everyone, I'm going to tell you, not everyone in your life is worthy of being your best friend. Not everyone in your life needs to know all of your junk and all of your, all of your stuff. But if you can find one person in your life, if you can find two people in your life that you can truly be who you are, you can truly belong, you can truly be loved, you can share your wrestling with shame and guilt and all those things with them, you should consider yourself doubly blessed. Find those people, nurture those people, invest in that relationship because that's the relationship that's gonna bear you fruit, right? And what I mean by shame, right? There's some deep stuff, right? But I know like my, my story, I was scared to death. I, well, how is this? I had one friend in seminary for two years, right? I was there for three years in grad school, but I only had one friend for two years. Sounds sad, right? Okay, I had Julie, so I had two friends, right? I had two friends, right? But I had one friend Now, I've talked about this before because I felt shame for being in seminary. And I felt shame because I felt like I wasn't enough. And I felt like I didn't belong. Everybody there accepted me, but I didn't accept that I belonged there. Because who am I to study that? Who am I to go and be? I don't know everything. People are going to find out that I'm a fraud. I don't belong here. And I felt shame. I felt fear for being there. And it wasn't until I began talking with this one friend, who I eventually opened up to him after two years. That shows how slow I was, right? And he was like, pretty much the conversation we're at a Panera Bread was like, Steve, you're stupid, right? That was that was a nice, you know, push there, right? He's like, you don't know, think like we all question, you don't know, think like we all doubt, right? And it took me until my third year to realize that everybody had these same questions, these, the same like fraud factor going on, Before I was able to open up and to be in, you know, I finished with maybe six friends, I don't know, right? Um, I had a wife at home, I had a kid at home, I didn't have time for that. But, but it took me a while to release just that shame, right? And that's a simple sort of semi-surface level, but it messed with my relationships for two years because I felt like I didn't belong I believe that relationships are worthy. They are hard, they're difficult, they are messy, they, are, they have ups, they have downs, right? You probably have friends that you had freshman year that you no longer have, right? And that's, we're gonna talk about that next week. Freshman, you have friends now. Guess what? Some of you are not gonna like next year. But that's okay, we'll talk about that next week, right? Um, but relationships are important. They are worthy of investing. But before you can ever expect any type of return, you've got to work through the shame, the shame that you've put on yourself that doesn't belong there, the shame that others have put on you that doesn't belong there, and work through that. Call that out. Find people you can talk with about. I'd be happy to talk with you. Find somebody you can talk and work through that so you can begin to stand and shout on the mountaintops, I am worthy. I am a beloved child of God. I am worthy of belonging. I am worthy of being loved. And when you're able to shout that in your innermost being, the romantic relationships that you are in, you will find that they will turn healthy because when somebody is treating you wrong, you're going to find the guts to say, I ain't got time for you because I am worthy of being loved. I am worthy of belonging. When you find yourself in a toxic friendship, you're going to be able to speak out and find healthy relationships because you're going to be able to say, I am worthy of being loved. I am worthy worthy of belonging. And this is doing nothing but tearing me down. When you begin to stand on that who you are, as a worthy and beloved child of God, each and every one of you. And you will find all of your relationships finding a healthier pace. You'll be able to find trust because you find that you are worthy to be trusted. You'll find more respect when you begin to shout that I am worthy to be respected. and All these different things. I encourage you to put the work in. Get yourself to a place that you can do that. And if you want to talk, we can do that. Because that's what we're called to be. Again, next week we're going to look at, you know, the truth is, sometimes there are relationships we, I that that just need to be done with, right? And so next week we're going to talk about how to, how to cut your losses. There are times when relationships, both friendships, both family and romantic relationships, they got to end, right? There's no more use in us investing because sometimes the company's just going under and you know, like, it ain't going to happen, right? But there are ways that we can end gracefully and ways that we can continue to maintain our worthiness and their worthiness throughout that process. So we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of community, for the gift of one another. God, we know that friendships, that boyfriends and girlfriends and family, I think it's be messed up sometimes. We pray, oh God, that you will lead us to a path of wholeness, that you will speak within our hearts, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon each and every person here. May we be reminded that we are enough that we are more than enough in you and through your grace, that we are worthy to be loved. We are worthy to belong because you call us to be a people of love. You call us to a sense of belonging, and you have created us. Because of that, we can stand as a people that are worthy to be loved. Help us to also not just feel that within ourselves, O oh Lord, but let us also be a people who seek to help others belong, To be a people who help others to find love, help us to be a place where people can come and be who they are and accept it just as that. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. The Wesley Word is a production of the Clemson Wesley Foundation. For more information about Clemson Wesley, check out our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, get out there and love your neighbor.